This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hey everyone, Uh, good evening, good evening. It's the day after the game again. Uh, Extra time live and um, following on from last week's passion. Uh, well, there were so many strong opinions last week. Wolves made a response this week uh, with a 1-1 draw away at the newly named GTech Community Stadium down in Brentford. It was unusually incredibly warm weather for the end of October. It was like it was almost like a summer's day. It was a beautiful day. And, um, you know, I, I really like Brentford away. They're such a friendly club. I'm so happy uh, when we went last year to be in the Premier League. And, you know, although last year's game was probably the longest game in Premier League history with the drone and then the, the referees uh, thing not working when it comes out after half-time. But it all went a bit more smoothly in terms of the, uh, in terms of the, the game. There was a, about six or seven minutes added time at the end of the game, but it ended 1-1. Brentford taking that lead on the 50th minute off a corner. It was a good strike. I think it took a slight deflection. And then Wolves responded really, really well uh, just after that with a a wonderful goal, Uh, a typical Ruben Neves. How many goals? Someone tell me, if you've got Carl watching, how many goals has has Ruben Neves scored for Wolves from outside the area? So we've got our pundits already in the uh, in the green room. We're going to do it in uh, in a first half and a second half today. Um, we've got Jack, Josh, Hoops, and Sutty, and I'm going to bring on uh, to start with. Uh, we're going to bring on Jack and Hoops. I'm just going to change the backdrop. I do want to say again a big thank you to uh, Wolf Life. Uh, the local life insurance company down in Bilston. As I say, you can get involved. Uh, we're getting your life insurance quote through them. They're giving special deals for Wolves fans. And you're also, if you fill the form in underneath, you can also win the chance to win a Wolves shirt. It's getting quite warm here, so I'm going to take off uh, the old retro jacket. And uh, welcome Jack, Jack and Hoops to the show. How are you doing, guys? Not too bad, Dave. You all right? Not bad at all. And you, Hoops? 
Yeah, really good, Dave. Really good, yeah. Um, as, as you said, sort of on your intro, it's nice um, to talk a little bit more positive, I think, this evening. So I think everybody listening and, uh, and watching, hopefully, is feeling the same. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we're going to obviously going to have a lot to talk about. Obviously, we'll talk about the game, uh, the after effects of uh, last year. I think pretty much to a man and woman, every Wolves fan last week was um, very, very um, upset, frustrated, angry. Fingers were pointing. You know, uh, you know, some of the players going missing. Not enough effort uh, from certain players. And also, fingers were pointing at uh, at members of the board. Um, you know what's happening with the managerial situation. Is Steve, what can Steve Davis get a tune out of these? You know, and um, they come back uh, this week. And obviously, you guys are going to give your own thoughts. But they've got a draw, so we're going to start with you, Jack. What would you like to say about the performance yesterday? <clears throat> I thought it was a big improvement. I mean, I think, first of all, I think we've got to acknowledge that we're still a long way off where we need to be. And we've got a long way to go in terms of getting back to some sort of, you know, identity and, and what we want. But after after last week, we all said, didn't we, we didn't see any spirit, we didn't see any fight, we didn't see any passion, no desire. I thought we saw a lot more of that yesterday. I mean, especially going 1-0 down, everyone in the ground in our, our end kind of went, oh, here we go again, didn't we? But... We equalise straight away, which which we've not done at all this season. Have we? When we've gone a goal down, we've, we've tended to, to fold like a pack of cards and and that's the game done. Whereas I thought yesterday we kind of, we were better after we went 1-0 down, funnily enough, I think. I thought the first half was almost a bit of a non-event, really. It was, it was two poor teams for me. It's kind of sort of no confidence amongst either team, really. It was kind of almost you were waiting for that first mistake that was going to create the opening for either team and, First half, nothing really happened of note, did it? They had a shot that went just wide. We had a couple that were deflected and went wide as well. They got the goal with their first real chance when they got into our box. A good finish by by Ben Mee, wasn't it? You can argue about should Samedo have ducked? Maybe he should have just got his head in there. Could anyone Kilman have got a bit closer? But then we equalised, what, a minute, a minute, half later? One minute, 48 seconds yeah. later, Jack. Which is massive, isn't it? Because the longer that it would have been 1-0 them, you'd have, our confidence would have drained and dissipated. Whereas, actually, we went straight back, right, forget that, 1-1, here we go again. And I actually think, if I'm being really honest, if any team was going to nick it at the end, I think it was us. I, I think I'd agree with that. And the other thing I would say on that, I thought the the travelling fans were magnificent. Fantastic. Um, when we went 1-0 down, the support level just rose another notch. And the players responded to it. It was a great move and a great finish. Um, you know, yeah, you, another, you have to say a big shout out again to Hugo Bueno. Again, had a fantastic game, got the cross. It came to Triori. Triori used his head, knocked it across, then it was knocked back across. Uh, Bubakar Triori heard the call, and Ruben does what Ruben does. The keeper literally, the, the previous week we saw, didn't he, that free kick where the keeper literally just stood and watched. This time, the keeper didn't even move and it went into the back of the net. Hoops, what would you like to say uh, what, about the game yesterday? Yeah, I think, you know, that, that first half was awful, wasn't it? But then I think, you know, the context behind it is it looked like a first half made up of two teams that had lost 4-0 in the previous week. So, you know, I suppose we shouldn't have been surprised with that first half performance from both sides. Both sides giving little away. Um, so very, very cagey. It wasn't too much 
um, riding on that first game, as, as, as Jack referenced, a couple of half chances, unusually for, for Ivan Tony against us, and contrary to his former season, he was off the ball, which was which was fortunate for us. Um, but I think just going back to it, you know, when the, when the team was announced, um, for, for me, it was probably right. You could make arguments on Pedence coming out and some of the forwards. But when I looked at that team, I thought we're not going to be lacking in talent, but what we may be lacking in, which is unfortunately the tale of this season, is character. That team is talented. Now, I understand we're, we're still missing and we will be for the next few games a recognised forward and we've got Costa coming back. But that team is a very talented team. But what it hasn't shown is fight, character, grit. We've seen too many instances, players not tracking back, players lacking um, real a, a fight for the occasion. So I think the most comforting part of the, the game was the fact that we went down uh, 1-0, Hess didn't draw, and, and we saw that character. Um, because ultimately, you know, that is the ingredient they're missing this season for me. Um, you can talk about perhaps they're not managed correctly, but ultimately these are very good players and they haven't showed enough fight and desire, in my opinion. And I think we saw some of that. I think if we were perhaps sitting comfortably in mid-table, I would have gone, brilliant point. But I don't know about you guys, I'm thinking, well, we need the free right now. And maybe that's a lot to ask for right now because we've not been getting anything and we should take that point away from home. But we're in a position because we've had a, the start that we've had is, is we need to pick three. So I think to Jack's point, I was a little bit frustrated that we perhaps didn't nick it in the end because I think that was an opportunity against Brentford to take the three points. Jack, did you notice as well when the goal came in, there was almost like the confidence come flooding back into the team. It was kind of like they were re-energised and the belief. And, and I think but what both of you rightly say there... Even when we went down to 10, and we're going to come on to, obviously, the Costa incident and the the the, the after effects of that. But for the last couple of minutes, they were still trying to get that goal, weren't they? And they just seemed like confidence came back into the team and the movement and the way they were running and the energy levels seemed to be a bit more there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I think you kind of, you look at a game in isolation and it's kind of like a, like an up and down scope, isn't it? And I think there wasn't many points in that game where we were under pressure or we were behind, sort of, you know, if you were in cricket terms, behind the run rate, if you like. It was always kind of within our grasp. And I think going 1 0 down could have been a big test of character for the players. But actually, they bounced back really quickly, which I think was, was absolutely key. The fact that we equalised so quickly. And like you say, the whole team kind of went, oh, actually, you know, we're not losing. We were, but we're not anymore. So let's go. And, and I think, like Hoops has said, I think. We probably should have gone on and won it. And perhaps if we'd have been on a better run of form, we perhaps would have sensed blood in, in Brentford and kind of gone for the gone for the throat and and perhaps nicked a goal at the end and, and won it 2-1 like we did sort of last year when we went there. But I think small steps at the minute, isn't it? I think we've been on a, a pretty poor run. I think we've lost seven out of 12 before yesterday. And, and going back to the end of last season, it gets even worse, doesn't it, the stats? So a point away from home in the Premier League is always something that you kind of go that that's okay you know even if you're playing a team that that aren't exactly flying like like Brentford aren't but i think i think what you said is is right i think we we kind of did look a lot more confident after the equalizer because i think that's the one thing that we've all said all season we lack goals and i think when we get a goal i think the whole team kind of goes oh actually we've, we've scored today 
You know, it could have been, and we've just said, if it had been 1-0 for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, with in the crowd are thinking, the players on the pitch are thinking, Davis and Collins on the touchline are thinking, one of them days, we're not going to score. I mean, I think last week we conceded four goals from five shots. Yesterday we conceded one from, from three. So, so the opposition have had nine shots and scored five in the last two games and we've had 30 attempts and scored one. So, so that's the tale of it, isn't it, basically? When, when you're creating chances and not scoring and the opposition are creating only a few chances but scoring most of them, that's not a recipe for, for anything particularly good, is it? So I think the fact that we nicked a point there and, and ground it out, like we said, showed a bit of, of character and a bit of passion. I think we've got to kind of take the positives from that and, and move forward. Well, that's one of the things that Steve Davis commented on is that uh, they were better in both boxes and they were, the, the, you know, the team spoke after the game last week and there seemed to be... You know, I mean, on our player ratings that we've uh, we've put on the website, the alwayswolves.co.uk website, the player ratings are the higher the um, the match reports, more possibly <laughs> the things we learn are quite interesting. Guys, I would recommend you go and check all of those articles out at alwayswolves.co.uk. We do have some fantastic writers, and um, you know, it was there's positives, but like you rightly so, and you know, and Hoops mentioned, you to stay up in the, in this division, you need to average a point a game. And currently, I think writing saying we're 10 from 13. And with Leeds getting that result again yesterday, Forrest and Leeds have probably picked up three points that you wouldn't have thought. It just, you know, we're, we're, we're only like a couple of points from safety, but you don't want to be going into the World Cup five or six points from safety. So, you know, we need to be going into the World Cup break. You know, I'm still fairly positive, you know, a lot of people said about the skill and the quality of the team. And if you put the fight and application there, that's the minimum that every single Wolf fan uh, expects. And we didn't see that last week, but we definitely saw it, I think, um, against Brentford. What else stood out for you and who else stood out for you, Hoops, at the game at the weekend? Um, I think the centre-backs, you know, they, um, they've obviously come under a little bit of criticism. I think, um, I, I don't know about you, but people I speak to, I think, are still a little bit unconvinced with Collins, whereas other people recognise there's, there's a real talent there, which I'm probably in the latter. I think there is a, a good player there and I think there's a good potential leader. Um, and I thought he was excellent. Out of the two, I thought um, Collins was fantastic. Um, you mentioned Hugo, again, very consistent. Um, and, and Bubakar as well. We know he's a little bit erratic um, in terms of his style of play and we know that he's taken the mantle from Romain says as the most likely to be books. Um, but, you know, that's that's his game. And and and, and he was competitive. But, yeah, the, ultimately, there, there were some improved performances. But I think, as per perhaps the, the stats that were referenced earlier of Bournemouth, it was we were defensively on, on, on top more than we certainly were in the previous game. So the, the centre-backs, I think, deserve some credit from the weekend. Yeah, the thing is as well, obviously, yeah, Collins coming back from that three-match uh, ban, he hadn't played for a very long time. And it probably does take a little bit of time to get a thing. I thought he was more himself. He was, um, the, Emma, the producer, made a note that he seems to be the one that does most of the talking at the back, aside from, you know, even in front of Kilman. He's like starting to take, he's only young as well, is he 21? Or something like that. He's only a very young centre back. So I thought both of them handled it really, really well. 
defensively. There was, I mean, there's a couple of shots, wasn't there, that flew in um, from Brentford in the second half. And there was bodies being thrown in the way to block it when it looked like it was going towards goals. You know, some good tackles that were going in. Um, but, you know, Bubakar Traore, there's a lot of people wanted him to start over Matinho. Um, I thought he did good again. You know, he got caught out once for that shot early in the year uh, that just went flying past the uh, thing. He committed himself and he got caught. Uh, the shot went just whizzing past the post. It was a good effort, actually, from um, from the Brentford uh, player. But like other than that, one thing he seems to have a real passion on, Abubakar, he loves closing players down. He loves getting his foot in and tackling. He's something that he really has. He, he, they've obviously brought him in to do. He might not necessarily be the most skillful, as a couple of fans were saying behind me. He's not necessarily the most skillful player, but he's a disruptor, and we need a disruptor into the t- in the team. Um, how did you think the um, the injury to Nunes affected, affected things? Because obviously he was playing. He had that tackle. Uh, he went down. I think to shoulder injury. How do you think that affected uh, the balance? Did it take a little bit of time to adjust, or you know, because Martino I- came on after that and. Uh, Let's hope he's not out for long, uh, Jack. Yeah, no, I, I think Matinho did okay when he came on. I mean, I think going on back onto to Bubakar, I think what he does is gives us a structure in the middle. I mean, I've said for, for probably 18 months, we are the worst pressing team in the league because we don't press as a team. It's, it's one individual. So you watch yesterday at times, Costa was pressing their goalkeeper or the two centre-halves, but the midfield was still static. So that gap just increased and they could then play into that space and, and they'd beaten the press very, very easily. But I think with Bubakar, like you said, he presses, he's aggressive. He pulls everyone else with him. So now you've, instead of got just him pressing, you've now got three midfielders pushing 20 yards up the pitch. Your fullbacks can then push up as well and squeeze. And if Costa or whoever's playing up front in the next couple of games drops in and helps him as well, you've suddenly got five, six players in a 30, 40 yard box to try and press and win the ball back. And I think that will be really important for us, particularly against footballing teams like a Brighton who like to have time on the ball and like to pass it around. If they can get in and amongst them, win some tackles, I don't mind him getting booked. I really don't mind him getting booked as long as he doesn't get a second one. But if he, he can do gonna... that and, and, and disrupt and, and get the team up the pitch and win the ball back higher up the pitch, I think that's going to be really important. Because like I say, our pressing has, has been virtually non-existent for, for 18 months, probably since, since, since Large went in. You know, so I think having him there, like we've just said, can actually almost transform the midfield into a into a team that's effective without the ball. And because what we you then want to, yeah, go on. Which is what you need. We need yeah. him to be. Uh, Hoops, you were going to just come in there as well and on the Nunes thing, weren't you? Yeah, I think to be honest, I don't think it it, it really had much of an impact on on proceedings because Martino slots in nicely. I think. The bigger point for for me, and just to kind of reference Jack's point there, is we've got some very technically good footballers in your Matinho, your Nunes and, and Neves, um, and you need a different type of player. And I think with what um, Bubakar brings to the team is is that tenaciousness, as you say, is that, is that pressing. Yes, he's not the prettiest footballer, but we haven't had this type of centre midfielder since potentially Sace when he was in the middle or even back to uh, Alfred Nandai, you know, a, a disruptor. Someone who's, who's not pretty, um, but gives you a different balance. Because I'm, although they're fantastic footballers, I'm really not convinced that Neves, Nunes and Martinho is great is of a great balance because 
I often think it looks confusing in terms of what role each of those players play, if that makes sense, because they are so similar. Whereas when you have Bubakar in, it's quite obvious the role he's going to play. He's going to disrupt, he's going to break up the play, and he's going to lay off to, you know, with all due respect to him, better technical players. So I think he's, he's, he's great. And I think I saw um, Manny's point in the comments. He's going to get better. He's going to grow. He's, again, he's another young player. So um, it's, it seems mad because Nunes is obviously our record signing and we're all expecting so much from him. But I would probably quite relaxed if he's out because at this moment in time, I think the midfield balance, I would, I would have him in over Matinho currently. But you know, I'd be happy if Bubakar carries on with a with a run of games if it's if it's an enforced um, uh, selection. If, if um, as I say, we'll wait and hear. I guess what the extent of his injury is. Yeah, I mean, and um, Bubakar Traore, obviously, he's African uh, descent as well, and he's when he he has been sort of like. Uh, <laughs> A similar sort of player at his age, so is it Ingalo Kanto um, type of player in terms of like you see him winning the ball back, passing the ball out, doing that type of role. And like I think from every time I've seen him, I've been really impressed with everything that he's done. His energy level is fantastic. He never stops running and trying to win the ball back and. If you've got someone that's doing that, and then the rest of the team are sort of following in that sort of press, you win the ball back, and then you you get you get the ball, and then you can get your forward players going, can't you? Um, Jack and Hoops, we'll go with you first. Jack, what did you think of the performance of the referee yesterday? Um, I thought he was awful. Uh, I mean, we seem to have this conversation week after week, don't we? The, the standard in general of the official is getting worse and worse and they don't seem to be doing anything about it. They're, they're burying their heads in the sand. VAR's great. The referees are great. You know, rubbish. He was absolutely dreadful. I mean, he booked Samedo in the first 30 seconds for a tackle where he won the ball. Um, he, he booked Pedence midway through the first half for, for putting his body in, in between the player and the ball and the player kicked through it to Pedence and went over and he booked him. Uh, the injury Nunes got was in a tackle that was a blatant yellow card and he gave a drop ball, didn't even give a foul. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it seemed to me, I mean, I might be wildly speculating, but it was his first game back in the Premier League for, for four three years, years, four years. It seemed to me like he was going, right, if I can, I'm going to favour the home team so that the majority of the crowd don't get on my back. That, that's what it seemed like to me. Every, every 50-50 went for Brentford. Every opportunity he had to kind of give them a little bit of help, he gave it to them. We had virtually nothing from him all game. You know, both teams were, were wasting time in the second half and he did nothing about it. You know, the the thing at the end with Costa and the VAR, I mean, that's more of a VAR complaint, isn't it, than, than him himself, but it's one of them. I, I just think at one, at, there's going to be at some point in the Premier League in the not-too-distant future, there's going to be a serious incident involving crowd trouble, trouble on the pitch because people have just had enough of, of the poor referees. And and, it, and it's going to be a real shame that it comes to that because we can all see it. We're all calling it out on every fan channel, every match vlog, whatever. These referees ain't good enough and, and they need support. VAR's not supporting them. It's highlighting every error that they make. It's making them look like clowns. I mean, you saw the, the, the West Ham-Bournemouth game on, on Monday night. I mean, the, the VAR practically gave West Ham the points. He, he gave them a goal that should have been disallowed. 
He turned down a Bournemouth penalty that probably should have been given, and then he gave West Ham a penalty that wasn't a penalty. So, so every week we seem to be having games that are decided by refereeing decisions. That shouldn't be right. We've always said, haven't we, that we accept that referees make mistakes. Everyone's human. They make mistakes. Of course they do. And he used to go down the pub after the game or whatever and go, oh, that ref, where did he not see that penalty? Why is he given that? But you get over it after a day or two. With VAR, that's completely taken that out of it now because there is absolutely zero excuse for referees to make mistakes because the technology is there when they do make a mistake to help them. And it doesn't because we've still got referees making terrible mistakes. There's inconsistency. There's things not being punished that should be. There's things that are picked up on that should probably be let go. I, I just think something needs to change quickly. But he was terrible yesterday. Well, yeah, I mean, he was um, suspended for four years. He, and lo and behold, he has to come back in a game that involves Wolves. It just seems like, oh, yeah, let's put him back in the game against Wolves. It's just them things. And, of course, got the, the VAR, which will come on to Hoops. From your perspective, how you were watching it, what did you make of the uh, the referee yesterday? I mean, like I say, booked Samedo in the first 30 seconds. I thought that was a little bit harsh. And then Samedo's treading a tightrope for the rest of the game, which I thought he handled quite well, to be fair. He, he did, actually. I, I do like Tomato, and I was pleased that he came in. I know he, he had some flack for the Palace game, for example, but I think he should, he should be in the side. But, yeah, to, to answer your point, um, I, I was watching the game and I was, I was surprised that he, he got the book out literally so quickly. It wasn't particularly a reckless challenge. It wasn't as if he pulled the player back and he was sort of central to goal. It was, as I remember it, towards the touchline. So there was nothing within that which for, well, within the first 30 seconds, I'm going to have to get the book out because then you set your stall out. I think the, the wider point with the refereeing is I actually think the technology has, has hampered uh, the referees. I think actually it's probably been to their detriment. I think the quality of refereeing has, has decreased. Now, whether or not, that means that I'm not a referee, but I guess if I was in a referee's shoes, that if you've worked without that technology, but then you're kind of reliant on, you know, VAR, I'm not too sure if that their, their judgment is, is is right. So I I actually think the technology certainly isn't helping from a, a spectator perspective. We, we, we know that, um, you know, it takes away the emotion out of the game. Um, and I don't think it's helping the referees, to be honest. Um, I mean, the referees will will have um, an assessor at every game, but ultimately, they're colleagues, so they will back up their their decisions. So, um, so I have some sympathy with referees. I mean, he was poor the weekend, absolutely, I agree, and he should be marked down if he's being assessed. But I think on a wider point, I, I just don't think technology is helping. I think we're talking more about referees now than we ever have. Whereas the idea with technology was that actually we wouldn't need their intervention or have these chat reference discussions because technology would play its part, but it's still quite ambiguous at, at times as well. So, um, I, 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 yeah, it's, it's a wider point, but I would I, I would get rid of VR. I'd just have goal line technology, for example, the whole offside stuff. You just take it as it is. And, and, and you get the game back to, you know, what it should be about is that raw emotion and, and letting the referee make that decision um, off their own back. Well, the Wolves fans yesterday were very, very frustrated and did let the referee know in no uncertain terms um, how they were feeling about his refing. And and it, and this has all come down to consistency. He books Tomato for a tackle in the first 
30 seconds, 40 seconds. There's a similar tackle up the other end. He didn't book the Brentford player. And that's why the Wolves fans were getting more and more frustrated. It just seemed like there's a, a similar sort of tackle that Wolves player made would get a yellow card. And when he eventually did give the Brentford player a yellow card, which he had no alternative but to do, really, it was, was it over 70 minutes or something like that? It seemed to be before they got the first thing, first card. The first half, like you said, was a bit of a um, League One game, really. There was lacking in quality. There was no shots on target from either side. Uh, the stats at the end, I think Wolves had something like 59% possession. I think we had... Um, one more shot to Brentford. So he edged the stats slightly. But then you get the incident at the end of the game. Diego Costa, um, two minutes from the end of the game, obviously the ref goes to the uh, to the VAR. You know seconders go in there that there's going to be, he's going to come back with the red card. We're going with you first, Hoops, on that. How did you see that incident? And also, um, if you're like the manager now, what do you do for the next game? Do you stick with the formation and have the one striker up front or do you change formation? What would you do? Who would you have leading the line next week as well? Yeah, I mean, first on the decision, it's a red card. And, uh, you know, ultimately he's put his head in. You know, I, I'm never one to say, oh, he's gone down too easily. I don't care. He's stuck his head in. He knows. And there was a lot of people sticking up for him on, on Twitter, which really did amuse me, actually, because I did think to myself, if... Wang had done that, or Geddes would have done that, he would have got some real abuse. Belters, yeah. Yeah, of course they would have. But I think with his Costa, it's like, oh, it's Costa, that's how he plays, he plays on the edge, you know what you you know what he signed up for. Yes, he's got that devilment, yes, he's got that aggression, but I was really frustrated, and I still am with the fact that Costa has been brought in as an experienced striker, because we do not have an experienced striker. And we want the first concern is Diego, are you fit to play? And then two minutes before the end, he does that. Now, I'm sorry, but people will say, Yeah, but it shows fight, it shows. So I'm going, No, that's you know, I'm not going to swear. In, in but, you, you know, it, ultimately, we were talking about uh, Bubakar earlier. That's fight, that's desire. You know, Collins throwing his body you know, across the line, you know, goal mouth clearances, that's fight, that's desire. I'm sorry, but I can't excuse Costa for what he did because it's ill-discipline, it's quite selfish, he's stuck his head in, he's got frustrated, and now he's out for three games. So, to me, people are kind of like, Diego, Diego, he's shown some fight. No, I'm sorry, he's experienced. I know he's not an angel, we get that, and that's kind of the appeal and why we brought him in. But he's still an experienced player. And it's not as if it had any impact on the result, potentially, because it was so advanced in the game. But what it does have an impact is, and obviously I'll, I'll, I'll go on to the second point, is the, the next, you know, the next three games. So in terms of what, what Steve Davis would do, initially I thought, well, let's go with, with Huang as his replacement. But then someone suggested, and I think to reference your point, David, do we go in a change of formation? Um, so... I would probably go Huang and Geddes and maybe drop one of the midfielders. Now, I know I'm advocating two out-of-form, out-of-confidence strikers. I'm fully aware of that. And people could say Campbell, but from what I've seen of Campbell in, in the 23s, he's 
they're grooming more to be sort of a winger, to be honest. And I don't see him as a, as a target man. So um, I think looking ahead to Brighton at home, certainly, I know it might leave us a little bit open, but I would be encouraged um, if he went two up top and, and played Hwang and Geddes. Um, what next time. Would, that, would that be? Well, I think you'd you'd still go you 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 four at the back. We essentially you'd be looking at four four two. Um, so you know, and you, you'd obviously have to you'd look at maybe see see obviously how Nunes is, but yeah, four four two effectively, which is is a change. Or or you could look at playing Nunes slight. Uh, sorry, um, Guedes slightly off. Um, hang up top, for example. But I think you've got to have a figurehead up, head up there. And and unless I'm missing someone as a, as a target man and someone to hold up the ball, I can only really see Wang. Don't think Adama's the um, the answer up top there. Um, I think it's better when he's he can run onto the ball. And we've tried him up top, haven't we? I think under Nuno. Um, so yeah, I would I would go with Hang or, or, or Guedes and just hope that um, that they'll come good um, because they're out of form. Uh, <laughs> it's very kind, Andy. But, um, you know, we haven't got a lot of options, have we? Um... No, absolutely we're not. I mean, Jack, coming on that point, Manny here says Hwang hasn't done anything wrong when he's come on recently. I think that's a fair point against Palace. He held the ball well up in the second half. Um, you know, so he's a guy that's lacking in confidence. When he first came, he was putting the ball in the back of the net. Jack, your thoughts on Hoop's comments there and obviously the Diego sending off? Yeah, no, I think, I think Hoops has kind of covered it really well there. I mean, I think the only thing I'd say on, on the Costa red card is, again, and I don't want to kind of rant about VAR, but on the on the evidence that the referee was shown, it's an absolute stonewall red card. And I'm not excusing Costa at all. It was a, a I, stupid I thing I know to what do. you're going to say now. Let me just see if you're Go going on. to say, but they only showed a, like a, a five-second clip. They didn't show the whole incident in Cotting, and they just picked out the bit where he headbutts it. Yeah, in, in slow motion, which always, always makes it look worse, doesn't it? I just think, and, and again, talking about referees, common sense. It's been it's been a, a, a gritty, feisty game. It's in the 95th minute. A defender and a centre-half are bumping into each other, pushing and shoving. They go head-to-head. One of them goes down. He doesn't need to send Costa off. OK, letter of the law, it's a red card. I'll get that. OK, and on the video clip he's been shown, absolutely, he's got to go. But common sense would say... Come out, listen, it's, there's a minute to go on my clock. What on earth are you doing doing that, Diego? Walk, yellow card, walk away. Call the Brentford player over. Stop winding him up. There's a minute to go. Behave yourself. Yellow card, off you go. And I don't think anyone would have had any complaints on that. I, I think we've lost common sense, haven't we? Now, now, and I totally yeah. get what people are going to say. Letter of the law, video evidence. We said, didn't we, when Costa signed? Let's see how he gets on with VAR. It's already caught him out, hasn't it? So and I'm not excusing him. I'm not condoning what he's done. But I just think sometimes we've got to take a step back and go, do we need to apply the letter of the law every single time to that degree that in the 95th minute of a, of a feisty game, two players have gone head to head and they've looked at video evidence and decided that one of them was in the wrong and one of them wasn't. And so one of them's got to be sent off. I'm not so sure that, that we needed to, to, to go to that to that level. I think common sense could have come in and the ref could have just either booked them both or or whatever, and, and kind of been done with it. I think going back on to the second point, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with hoops. I think Wang and, and Guedes as a, as a two probably is what we need to do. I mean, we need to start scoring goals. It's it's 
as clear as the nose on everyone's face, isn't it? We need to start scoring goals. And the way we do that is by getting more bodies into forward areas. You know, we must be the only team that, that is chronically lacking goals and still playing one up front. It, it's kind of, you know, you've got to kind of get more mm. bodies in there. And, and the easiest solution, as Hoops has said, is to go to a front two. Even if Guedes and Huang aren't necessarily prolific and aren't on, on top form and confidence and, and, haven't, and in Guedes' case, hasn't quite settled in yet, give them a go together. It might be that the fact that they're both sort of in a similar position might just cajole them together and kind of go, come on, I'll look after you, you look after me. We'll get the ball together. We'll start moving it. And and I think Wang's sort of best performances in a Wolf shirt came when he played alongside Jimenez as, as a two very, very early on last year when he sort of very first came into the into the team. And since he sort of moved out to the left wing and then he was played up front on his own a couple of times, he's really struggled. And obviously his confidence has kind of evaporated, hasn't it? Whereas I think actually, and I think people have said before, haven't they, when he was at um, Salzburg and he played up front with Haaland, I mean, obviously, that'll make you look better already, wouldn't it, having Haaland up front? But if he can play in a two and, and that brings the best out of him, why not give him a go? We've said for a, for a number of weeks on the on this channel, haven't we, that the key to getting your form back is your best players in their best positions. And I think we've got to kind of look at that and go, well, Wang plays really well in a two. Let's bring him in, but let's give him a partner, someone he can play off, someone who can play around him, whether it's Guedes, whether you maybe play Pedence as a, as a sort of just off him and you sort of bring... Guedes onto the left wing and Traor on the right, and you play four four one one, for example. There's options, aren't there? I mean, it's not like we're completely bereft of anything at all, and we're sort of scraping into the twenty threes or whatever to find a young untried kid. There are options in terms of balancing the squad. I just think we've kind of we've got to be a bit more positive, be a bit more brave. You know, if we need to go four four two or four four one one and get bodies into the box, play the percentages if you like. If you put a cross in and there's six people in, in the box, chances are you're going to get on the end of it. If there's only one, you're not going to. So I think get those two people up front, get the wingers pushed up, the fullbacks pushed up. If Bubakar can drag the midfield up with him as well, I think we've, we've well, got a chance. That's going to my next point, actually, because you, I mean, it'll be interesting to see uh, what Josh and Sutty are coming on next to actually say when we get onto this point on their ideas on this. But like, obviously, if you're going with the two, who's your, who's your midfield for, Jack? I mean, I think it's probably going to be Traore, Neves, Bubakar, and then Guedes, maybe. You, 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 sort of... you think you, would you play Bubakar in just a four with his like? Because when he's in a three, you know he's got a little bit more. Would you would do you think that's a bit of a risk? It is, it is a risk, but I think we're at the point now, aren't we, where we need to start taking risks. Because a, a point of game isn't, isn't enough, is it? We need to start winning games. And I think the way that we do that is we start being a little bit more positive. We get more bodies forward. I mean, the other option is, and we've not touched on this, the other hoops are, are kind of coming on this, is 3-5-2. Bring, a, bring a, an extra centre-half in, play the midfield three, and then the two up front. And you kind of, you almost take out Traore and, and your left winger, maybe, which is harsh on, on Adama, maybe. But, but he's a great impact sub to have, isn't he? So whether you kind of go back to three five two and kind of just say, well, we'll just kind of stock up the middle of the pitch, if you like, make it difficult to play through us. And then we've got the two lads up front to kind of chase and, and press and see what comes up from that. So, I mean, again, it, it, it's options. It's, it's difficult in, in the space of a week, isn't it? From one game week to another. Well, it to is. And Totti Gomez, Totti Gomez is all, you know, he's only just started running. He tends to play on the left-hand side of uh, a three. Yerson uh, was in the... Um, 
was in the match day squad again the weekend, but I think he's more on the right. So it'd be interesting to see that. Hoops, come back on um, Jack's point there. And also, if you could, uh, before we get to the uh, spin the wheel, if you can give us your man of the match and your performance rating for Brentford. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think Jack's point is right. I, I was just thinking to myself, and I think Dave, you did the same point. The, the absurdity of playing one up top when we're not scoring goals. So you, you're right. I mean, it sounds obvious, doesn't it, really, to think that, you know, we're, there's, a, there's a real issue here and, and we're not addressing it. I think part of that is, is, is yes, looking to protect the midfield and, and yes, Bubikar is inex, inexperienced, but he needs, he needs games and we perhaps should, shouldn't be giving oppositions too much respect. So there's an option to go 3-5-2, but I think certainly we've got to look at, um, to coin a Portuguese manager's phrase, solutions, haven't we? We've got to look at different ways. Because ultimately, yes, a point away from home was, was, was decent, but we, we've got a home, you know, we've got a home game here. We've, we've got to go on the front foot a little bit. And yes, it does leave you a little bit insecure, maybe in some places, but the back four, you've got to trust them and, and those in front. So I, I would still favour, say, 4-4-1-1 as opposed to the, Three five two. So we'll, we'll we'll see, but I think we certainly got to use this as an opportunity to um, get more forward players on the pitch. Um, and then and then in terms of the game, going back to it, um, yeah, I mentioned Collins previously, and I, I think for him, for me, he was he was man of the match. So Nathan Collins, and then performance rating. Um, why do you say Collins, just as a matter of interest, that is your man of the match for the reasons that he stood out, like just to remind anyone that's just come in recently to pick this up? Yeah, I, I think with, with, with Collins, it's his all-round game. It's his, his leadership, the way he dominates the um, the back line. Um, there was a couple of um, chances where um, he literally put his body on the line. He looked assured. He always looked like he was winning um, set-pieces. You know, he kept Tony quiet, who's one of the best strikers in the Premier League this season. I think there was only one uh, instance of play on the byline where he was taken on. But other than that, I thought he was he was sound. So all-round play in terms of, you know, he's quite an old-fashioned centre-half in some ways. He's technically, of course, not going to be as good as Futsal Kilman. But what he gives you is hides, you know, and a real desire and battle. So... That those are the qualities that I saw in the weekend. There are other notable players, Bubakar, Bueno potentially as well, and, and Kilman. But I think Collins out of the two centre-halves, for me, um, I would say uh, Shea did it. Um, and as an all-round performance, I would say seven. Um, as a mixed emotions in terms of we could have gone on to get that, that win. But from where we have been... A point away at Brentford. If it's a point to build on, it's a very good point. If well, that, that that's point, the key, isn't you know, it? Yeah. That's the key. Now they back that up with a win against Brighton. Then we go yeah. into the Arsenal game. We can have a proper go. Um, but obviously, Brighton coming off the back of a four-one victory over taking apart Chelsea. <laughs> they're they're yeah. a team with a lot of talent, <laughs> but they can be beaten. Jack, yeah. um, your uh, man of the match and performance rating for you before we get onto the wheel? Uh, I think in the context of the season, I think you give the performance probably a seven, don't you? Because it's been one of our better performances. We saw a lot of what we were asking to see before the game. 
as an overall thing, you'd probably say a six because, again, the lack of quality was was evident, wasn't it, at times? And and we did kind of lose our shape a little bit at times when, when Brentford kind of attacked, but although they didn't do too much, did they? So I'd probably split the difference and go 6.5. Yeah. Uh, man of the match, I'm probably going to agree with Hoops, which which I know is boring, but I'm going to go Collins because I thought he was he was very, very good. And and again, I think he showed that leadership that, that we wanted to see. There's been a lot of talk all season about getting rid of that leadership group in the summer. Cody, sorry, Ruddy, Sice, Dendonka, Bolly, etc. all moved on. And where are the leaders? Where's the characters? Well, even though Neves has got the armband, I think I see a lot of leadership in Collins. And I think one of the underrated parts of, of leadership is about leading by example. We talk about, about captains being vocal and setting standards, but what you do as a player kind of defines you as a leader as well. And I think what Collins is showing is that actually he's doing everything in his power to help the team. He's, he's making blocks, he's making tackles, he's winning headers, you know, he's pressing, he's squeezing, you know, also all the stuff he's doing in terms of his, his vocal and everything is great, but he's leading by example. He's setting the standard for the rest of the team. And I, and I can see since he came back in, Kilman's been a lot better because Kilman went off the boil for a few games, but he's now picked up as well since that uh, partnership's been re-established. And I think the, the two fullbacks, I mean, especially, you know, young Bueno, who I think has been fantastic, having those two alongside him when they're out of confidence would have been really difficult for him. Whereas when those two are playing well, Kilman and Collins, that just helps him a lot as well. So I'm going to go, going to agree with Collins as, as man of the match. Fantastic. Well, you've made some great points, guys. And uh, now it's time for the wheel. So we're going to get the wheel up and uh, we're going to give it a spin. And everyone in the uh, everyone in the chat can do this. We're over 200 watching live. So if you're enjoying this, please smash a like on the video. It lets YouTube know you enjoy it. I'm spinning. Let's see what it comes up with. Oh, here's a nice one. Uh, for everyone <laughs> in the chat and for you guys, what's your go-to karaoke song? We'll go with you, Hoops. Um, God. Um, the last time I was on karaoke was on a, one of, was on a stag doing Barcelona, and I think we just went through the whole book because we were the only ones in the karaoke bar <laughs> to some bemused locals. Um, to kind of keep it Wolves-themed as well, The Wonder of You, I would go for. Oh, class track. My dad loves that. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a, it's a timeless timeless song. It's quite a stirring song. So, yeah, I think I think the wonder of you would would probably be mine. Fantastic, Jack. You? Uh, it's been a while since I did karaoke. Um, sit down by James is probably the one that I oh, go to. Oh, sit down. Oh, sit down. That go. one. Yeah, that absolutely, absolute well, classic. I yeah. tend to uh, I tend to do the um, what's it called? I can't think what it's called now. Um, it's out of Greece anyway. What is it? That? Beauty school dropout. That's what I tend to do with that. And, uh, I do like a bit of beauty. I do a bit of uh, park life as well. But there you go. Guys, thanks ever so much for uh, coming on this evening and sharing your thoughts and views. A, a lot more positive than uh, everyone than last week. And like you say, Hoops, if it's a point, uh, and Jack, that we build on against Brighton, then it's a real good point, isn't it? Let's hope we can. It'll be very interesting to see whether um, they're listening and they come out with Gwedis and Wank up front next week. <laughs> yeah. Email this <laughs> over. Um... <laughs> well, we're going to see what Josh and, and Sooty have to say uh, coming up next. So thanks, guys. Much appreciated. No Cheers. Thank Cheers, you. Guys. Cheers. 
So that's Jack and uh, and Hoops giving some real good insight. As I say, we've got over 200 watching. Uh, just to let you know that the channel has actually gone over 30,000 subscribers. I haven't done an official announcement on that, but thank you so much. And if you are watching, please subscribe to the channel. Uh, and you can comment as well if you're, if you're a subscriber in the channel below. Um, so, yeah. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Fantastic. We're going to bring on Josh and Sooty. Hi, guys. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Good, thank you, mate. You? Oh, mate, thanks. Had a great day, all I can say. Uh, Josh, before we get on to the game... You did a little bit of an adventure before the game yesterday. If you want to share what you did, you might need to put your sound on, though. Good point. <laughs> um, Travelled down on the Friday night, and it was meant to be for my brother's twenty-first birthday three years ago. Um, managed to get tickets for Soccer AM, and um, it was initially meant for Chelsea away a couple of seasons back. And then um, I emailed them back in August when they started getting audiences and asking if we can have it, if we can come on now and audience are back in. So we said Brentford would be the perfect one to do it. So we travelled down the Friday night and was in the audience for uh, for Soccer AM on Saturday morning. It was really, really, were, really good. You you uh, met a few people there, didn't you? Yeah, so we checked the day before. Because um, me and my brother, the man, we got proper um, big back into our cricket. And um, I said to my brother as a joke last week, hey, good it would be if there was a cricketer on. And they had uh, Ollie Pope on. So that was a good uh, good little talk we had even about going over to Pakistan next month for the uh, the Test Series. Are you, are you and, going uh, over, are you? No, nah, we're not now. Oh, right. <laughs> no, nah, but uh, we got talking to Ollie Pope about that and uh, the current World Cup situation in the uh, T20 uh, format. And um, childhood, uh, I should say, idol, Dick and Don. Um, we're on there as well, so uh, that was uh, good to bump into those pair. Although they didn't stop much afterwards, they they shifted quite swiftly. And then um, there was Miles Kane um, with Tom A. Smith doing the music, so it was uh, quite a good day. And we had a really good chat with Tubes as well. Um, at the end, I had a good fifteen minute chat. So I said to my brother, I said, "I want to go and talk to Tubes." So I watch his, his YouTube channel, yeah, um, Golf Life with his with his brother. And um, I thought, I've got to go and have a word with him because I love watching it, love the interviews he does on there. And we went up to him, he was just sitting on his own. No one had gone up to him at this point. Everyone was talking to Jimmy Bullard and Fenners. I said to him, we've got to go and speak to him. Went up to him and shook his hand and said, can we have a photo? He goes, yeah, yeah, I don't mind. As soon as he took the photo, I shook his hand and said, Chief, we're going to say, YouTube channel's brilliant. But as soon as I said that, his eyes lit up. 
and we had a good conversation for about 15, 20 minutes with him about got his YouTube channel, football, interviews, Wolves. So it was a good, good, good day and all, to be honest. Yeah, and then obviously he went down to, to the uh, to the game. Sutty, yeah. what would you like to say about um, about the game yesterday? I'm happier, Dave. I can tell that. You've got a little smile on your face, <laughs> a twinkle in your eye this week. I, I would, I've been warned by my good lady that I was a bit miserable last week. <laughs> she said, cheer up a bit this week. So I've got to sort of go with a smile on my face a little bit, mate. But well, it was a better... But- it was a better performance, wasn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, the first half was a bit dour for both sides, really. It was, like you say, it was more like watching a League One game. But as soon as they scored, I mean, I was watching it at home. I didn't go yesterday, as you know. Um, I thought I, there was no emotion from me at all. I just I didn't say a thing. And then, obviously, we scored about two minutes later, was it? <coughs> And I've flown off the sofa and uh, the lady of the house thought that we were 1-0 up at that point because I hadn't even cursed or anything them scoring because I just got used to it. Well, we we have. have we? we have. So, um, no, uh, much better. I think we could have won it, Dave. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think I we're the think... team most likely to win it. We had a couple of chances, to be honest. Uh, Costa got. I thought Costa. It was his best game in a wool shirt. Personally, I thought in the second half, it's some of the movement he made, he created his own chances and stuff like that. And maybe because every other game, and I'm cursing it really, because every other game he's been bought off on about, you know, seventy minutes, seventy-five minutes, eighty minutes, and. I'm, I reckon Steve Davies probably wish he'd have bought him off because he's got because he's got uh, he's got that suspension. It's funny, but he funny did have a good game. It's funny though, isn't it? Because I don't think any of them go out on purpose not to try. No, you know, no nobody does that, do they? Let, let's be honest. But sometimes in sport or well, even in normal work, you know yourself. Sometimes you feel like you're running in treacle. And sometimes when it, when it's going against you, it gets harder and harder and harder. And then all of a sudden, there's that little turning point. You got to keep trying. I mean, you take. I don't. You wouldn't have watched the Leeds Liverpool game last night. I was listening to it. Funnily enough, on the way back, it well, nobody like gave Leeds a, a fantastic game. Yeah, I didn't give Leeds a cat house chance. To be honest, I didn't think Leeds would do it. But Leeds played very similarly to how we played three years ago suck it up suck it up and there was a bit of to in and fro in but towards the end of the game they just sat in kept a shape and obviously they scored late on shut up shop but when I looked at all the stats over the course of the game Leeds as a combined team ran 11 kilometres more than Liverpool Effort-wise, that's incredible, Dave. Now, yesterday with Wolves, everybody put a shift in. Yeah. When everybody puts a shift in, it shows. I mean, I've called him out. I, this guy, for me, since we've come to the Premier League, first three seasons until he got two bad injuries, was probably the nailed-on person alongside Neves to get in every starting lineup, and that was Johnny Otto. Yeah, that's for me personally. Some might disagree, uh, but he is not on it, mate. 
he's miles off. Now, this young kid who's coming, who I watched a couple of times last season. You, you, you go bueno. Yeah. This kid does not look out of place. He's actually... You can see him get more and more confidence as each game passes. And, I mean, against Palace, I thought he was outstanding, to be honest. And the ball across for the goal was... As good as as good across as you'll he see. You can cross team. a ball. I mean, oh, you think yeah. that the goal that we got again came initially from his run and cross. Yeah, it did. It started yeah. from that point, it and it was did, a similar yeah. cross. Yeah, and you see, you used to get Johnny Otto bombing forward. What I think now is, I think Johnny Otto's probably lost a yard of pace due to injury. Understandable, Dave, to be honest. But in a four, he hasn't got that cover, and I think he's always sort of. Do I or don't I go? Because if I get caught out here, I'm I'm in, I'm in trouble. And I think he's almost in playing in no man's land a lot of the time. He's frightened of getting caught yeah. out, and unfortunately, his distribution on his stats is shocking. Dave, his pass completion rate is low seventies. Really, it's, it's awful. Yeah, it's really poor. Um, he's he's lost. In the games he's played, he's played 11 games. Johnny Otto has. I've got a few stats written down here. And he's lost, in key areas, he's lost the ball pass-wise 21 times. Now, you know yourself, first game against Leeds, oh, my God, he, he was shocking. He was really poor. And then against Leicester, really, really poor. And there's been a... There's been a sort of a consistency in how poor he's been, so I I, I agree with these with um, Davis and Collins taking him out of the limelight a bit and just let's see if we can get him a, a, a bit sharper, take him out of the limelight because I did hear people getting getting on to him as it were started you know having a go at him, and he is still a good player. He is. is he's, he's a great player, and I just don't think he's as comfortable in the four as he got when he had the safety net of the five. No, because he always had that safety net, and and probably likewise Samedo as well. Probably likewise Samedo. When you've got the cover of three centre halves, I'm not going to bring up the c word because he's gone now. But when you add him there as well, barking at you all the time, then you know you you could bomb forward. They'd just shuffle across, wouldn't they? If, if you got caught out, they'd shuffle across, they'd wipe out of danger. But we're a bit more open now. And we've gone this way now, Dave. And, uh, unless, well, we can't go to a five on Saturday because, I mean, Totti Yomez won't be fit. No. And, it, and is, it, is it almost, I don't know. I was, I, was all, I was all for going to a back four at the beginning of the season. I was I was really for it because I think the players we've got attacking wise we should be doing a lot lot better. We should be getting a lot more goals. This is this this isn't a bang average side player for player. If you look at most squads in the Premier League, and you go player for player, forget form at the moment. You there's not apart from top six sides. I mean, if I told you Neves, Matinho. And Nunes at the beginning of the season as a three in midfield before a ball was kicked at the beginning of the season. We're all looking at that thinking, hold on a minute, there aren't many threes in midfield that are better than that. No, that's right. And but unfortunately, I think we're trying to shoehorn 
Nunes in and and the two lads uh, earlier, I think they're right. They're very similar players. And I think Nunes plays better from deep. Yeah, running with the ball. Yeah, and I, I, I personally, I would stick with Troyore, Bubakar Troyore. Yeah. I'd have him and Neves just in front of Mateus Nunes and let Nunes, he would almost be like in a diamond in front of Kilman and Collins. They'd give him the ball. And all of a sudden you're on you're you're breaking away. Almost a little bit like um Declan Rice. Yeah. He's that kind of player. He's too far forward and I think he's lost. Indeed, that's why. What do you think on that, Josh? I think you're right. So my brother's said like the Nunes really is a box to box. It's like Dave Edwards used to be. And yeah. a different calibre of player, but same job. You just back forward, back forward, back forward between each box, doing all the dirty work. Um but like so he says he's playing. He's playing. He's playing as it's come up on Sellers' clipboard the other week. He's playing that inside right position, really, isn't he? Behind the striker and between the winger and between the midfield, he's advancing. It's like an attacking midfielder, like some someone like Jack, like James Madison would do. Is what they're trying to get him to do. Yeah. Do you remember the Chelsea game, Dave, when we they beat us three nil? There was one. He picked the ball up really deep on the edge of our area and he burst forward. Oh, yeah. That's what he's good at. So if he's all, and he's had to drop back in to get the ball there. So if, if he's bursting forward like that, I would have him sat in front of Kilman and Collins. And I, here's a here's one for you. I did actually say before Cody went at the beginning of the season, I would have played Cody in the front of Kilman and Collins. A lot well, of disagree with that. Yeah. Um, but you know that's gone now. But I would definitely drop Nunes just to. 20 yards further back. I think he's lost up front. I don't I actually don't think he knows what he's doing. That's how stupid the top end. People have mentioned that Wolves are not playing him in playing him in his preferred position. He has had a few chances and not scored though. So he you know he's had four or five chances in the box and he's he's missed them all. Uh, but it is a good point on what you make and maybe whether that changes um in the short term or whether it's going to be a new manager coming in that's going to pick that up and uh, and start playing them like that we'll have to uh, we'll have to see um josh you know whereabouts in the stadium were you uh, yesterday i was top bottom of the like split into two tiers nearly wasn't it? you had yeah. blocks upstairs and blocks downstairs we were literally as you come out as you bend round we were just literally right on the steps on the right um, right behind the TV camera that was in the disabled bay. Oh, right. Okay. So, yeah. Do, well, I, it's, think, it's not... I think we were to your left and about five or six rows back. So, I could see where you were sat, Dave. Yeah, we were sat. We had a great view, actually. It's been brilliant. We literally, over the yeah, the bit where they go up the underpass, we were on the first row there. It had a fantastic room. Uh, yeah. I, I just, you know, I put my match vlog up today. So, if you get a chance to check that out, the Ruben Neves goal got a brilliant... Um, fan angle of that one as well and the Wolves fans it was brilliant to actually have some joy to celebrate it was it was it was mm -hmm. like what's this you know joy and then there was so much hope that went through from the from the fans to the to the players and players are back that it's kind of like we were so everyone was so positive yesterday yeah. in the performance and like you say we I thought we could have won it we didn't but you know, it was it was really really good to actually have a great goal to celebrate, and um, I just thought that the players responded really really well uh, to that. 
Um, I mean, what is your take on the Diego Costa incident, and what would you, who would you play up front next week? So I saw the tussle when the tussle was happening. I thought, here we go, a bit of argy bargy. And my brother saw it straight away. My, my brother's gone mad about it, saying like, "It's why has he done it? He's put us in a massive situation here now, where we haven't really got an out-and-out leading striker. It's leaving us short-handed, and." Like you said earlier, we've got to play one of two currently at the moment. Low con- Although I think Quang's confidence has got better over the last few weeks. I think he's looked a bit nippier and holding the ball a bit up a bit more. He's um, strong. Yeah. Can hold uh, the ball up. I'd probably stick with the formation and go with Quang um, up top. Um, try and keep Pedence in, inside like they were doing with Costa, just to try and run off him um, and allow Wayne to come running down the left. Um, and then I'd, I'd, I'd say keep Guedes on the bench to come on because we're, we're, we're short of wingers. We're short of wingers with, with Neto out and we need someone off the bench with a bit of pace. And at the moment, he's the only option that can offer that if you're going to go and stick Wang up front with Costa being suspended for three games. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Uh, so, tell your thoughts on the same subject, uh, the, the sending off and, uh, and who's starting up front next week? Well, it, it was a sending off, Dave. Obviously, I was laying on the set here at home watching it, so I had the the beauty of watching it over and over and over again, as they do. Here's a quick one for you, though, Dave. VAR, right? Before VAR, referees got 95.4% of all like decisions stats, correct. You? Pardon? You love your stats. Yeah, ninety-five point four percent of all decisions were correct when referees made them without VAR. Since VAR, ninety-six point eight percent. But it gets better, Dave. Each each home game, so when we play at home, that cost us to have VAR twenty-eight thousand quid. Yeah, five hundred and thirty-two thousand pound a year per club. In the Premier League, it's a rip-off, Dave. For an ex, for getting one point four percent of decisions right, and it kills the game. Just di- I'd ditch it. I would. It's killing it's it. It's not going to happen, though, is it? So it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. But how come they can get it running so well on the continent and we can't? I well, mean, do you know what? When, when we were in Europe and the referees, when we were in Europe and stuff like that, you, it, that's the question that it asks. I mean, there's an argument for the VAR that ex-players should be in the uh, in there, you know, on the VAR uh, rather than just having referees and stuff like that because they played the game. So, be interesting to see. What about you? Who's 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 playing up front for you? Well, well, I, I would I would have the the same back four. I'd have the same middle three that. Event eventually, yeah, uh, we well what we finished with yesterday. So I don't think um, Nunes is going to be fit. I've looked and I can't see anything. So he'll get assessed tomorrow, I think. But he was holding his shoulder pretty. He could hardly move it when he come back on. Could he couldn't run properly? You could see no, him. Like that, that. Yeah, mm-hmm. he couldn't hold it. I'll scream at the telly at that point. Just get him off. Do not get him any more injured. We can't afford any more injuries. But then I'd play. Um, Triore, Wang and Pedence in a three up top. Um, and I'd get them switching it about every every 10 minutes to shuffle it up. Don't let 
don't let these fullbacks get used to marking you. And how I mean, switch. Just keep switching. So you'll play with a free line. You give the nod when you want to move and one comes inside. Switch it around and make it difficult because it can be... If a fullback knows he's got one on you, he's got one on you, hasn't he? You know what I mean? doesn't matter what you do. Switch it around. Don't make it easy for them. And what we must do is do exactly as we did yesterday and give 100%. Nobody can have an off day against Brighton because we don't do very well against Brighton, do we? Uh, well, Brighton, a lot of Brighton games, it's like it's almost certain to be a lot of them are draws or goalless yeah. draws and stuff like that, to be fair. But we do need to, we do, we do need the three points, don't we? Yeah. Uh, Josh, what's your performance rating and your man of the match? Who's your standout and your highlight? Um, I forgot, forgot to ask you the guys the highlight of the day, actually. 6.5 for me. Um, same yeah. as Jack. It's one of them where you've got to look at where we are and a point. You take a point every day of the week against a team like Brentford because they're. I wouldn't say they're solid because first half I thought both teams were poor. Um, but they're a team over the last season and a half nearly now. They're, they're drilled. They know what they're doing, apart from last week. Um, they've got their orders off Thomas Frank and they're, they're quite a well-drilled team. So to go to Brentford, which I, I think is a tricky play. You look at the likes of United the other week. 3 nil in 15 minutes, something stupid like that. So they, they know what they're doing when they're at home. It's just when they're away. So to go to Brentford for me and get a point. I know people are saying we need to get three. But looking at the situation we were in, we need the three, but a one will do. Um, so it was a 6.5 for me. So I thought first half, both teams were poor. Second half, I thought we were the better team. And I thought until Costa was sent off, I thought we were potentially going to get a second. Um, running into the last last two minutes. Um, man of the match for me, um, I think I may have annoyed people saying this one, probably Daniel Pedence. I thought he played. Know, I know, he spent a lot of time. On the deck. He thought he was brilliant. But I thought he played really well in and around the midfield, in and around Costa, getting in between their players, run the ball. I thought he was running well, especially for um, second half down the left hand side. Apart from that one run he made, and he he ran it out past the uh, the bottom line, which I thought side floor. But I thought he had a good game. I thought he offered something down that left hand side with um, with Brian coming in behind him, and then. Um, Moment of the day, it's, it's got to be going on soccer AM and watching that in the morning. Um, really, really enjoyed it. A lot, a lot, a lot more inviting than I thought it would be, and everyone talking to you afterwards. It really, really good morning. I had the weather for it as well, which is yeah. nice. So, T, your performance rating, man of the match, moment of the day, or highlight of the day? Uh, same as Josh, six point five, mate. First half was. Well, it wasn't terrible, but it just looked like two poor sides, to be honest. But I thought we played well in the second half. I was I was happy with that, to be honest. I uh, All I want to see is effort, Dave. I'm one of these that's a firm believer. If you put in the effort, you'll get your just rewards, won't you? 100%. Um, so, and I'm going to go with um, Bubakar Traore, mate, because he was quiet first half and a little bit out of position at times, but... The kid does all the dirty work. He uh, he gets around the pitch. He breaks up play. Um, it did, did make me giggle when we scored. It's actually my highlight of the day as well because he must have got the call off Neves when it come across the box. And it was almost like somebody had said, just get out of the way. Yeah. He just stopped dead. It weren't a dummy. He just stopped dead and he sort of angled his body so he could... and then. Obviously, for me, the goal was the highlight of the day because I wasn't a, there. It was sublime, wasn't it? 
It reminded me a little bit of the the goal Neves scored. I know it was from a free kick. The net that Neves scored against Villa when we beat them two one at Molyneux. Just side footed it in. Keeper had no chance. Mate, just watched it. No, it was, it was it was a thing of beauty. To be fair, it was an absolute thing of beauty. It was really good. Um, what do you think about the chances of Chem Campbell getting a start next week? Um, I don't think Chem Campbell will get a start. Um, Chem Campbell, I think he will be a very good player, but I think we need these seasoned pros, as we call them, to really step up to the plate now. We do not want to be in a bottom three going off to Qatar in the World Cup. We Even if fourth bottom, psychologically, Dave, is massive, Right, you don't want to be in the bottom three going to the World Cup. Two home games to come. How many points we're getting out the next um, two then? I've got a funny feeling, Dave, and I was really... From last week's doom and gloom, I've got a funny feeling we're going to burst Arsenal's bubble. We are. I've got a really funny feeling that we'll get at least a point out of that. And I said to you yesterday, I think, after the game, any away point is a good point for me. If you pick up a point away from home, that's a great, it's a great point. The home team should always be the favourite for me. Uh, unless you're Man City, obviously, um, yeah. but you should be looking to win two out of three home games. No matter who, no matter who visits, should be looking to win two out of three. And I've got a funny feeling that we might we'll scrape a draw against Brighton, but I think we'll frustrate Arsenal. I think we'll beat them. Four points for you, Josh. Yeah. I'm going to go with the three. Um, but I couldn't tell you which Ray around is going to be. So I always think Brighton are our bogey team where we go 1 0 up and they, or whatever it is, they're a goal behind going into the last 30 seconds and they end up scoring. Or, like Sutty said, I think we could potentially do something against Arsenal. But I'd, I'd probably say three points and I probably would say against Brighton. Fantastic. Um, I, I, I particularly, I think I went with my man of the match. I went with Daniel Cadence. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. His energy levels, I love how he just his little drag backs, everything. So he, he's always trying to make something happen with him on the pitch. I, 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 I give him my man of the match. I thought Hugo Bueno was fantastic again. Abubakar, I really love him. But you can't really have a go at any player on the pitch from the no. weekend, like we could the, the thing. They were all there as a team. They came over, celebrated the goal. Was wonderful. They can I just say, Dave, it. can I just say as well, I sat watching it yesterday with my son, Archie, and all we kept saying was, listen to the Wolves, listen to them. It was so loud, all you could hear was them 1,700 Wolves supporters. It was brilliant, mate. The fans were fantastic. Yeah, it was all really the good. You know, and it was great. It was a lovely day. The weather was perfect. Uh, we didn't get the win, but we scored a... We, 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 or a drone. We didn't get a drone either. You know, <laughs> we scored a great goal. We could have won it. Um, and they, they've they got to now kick on. They've got to kick on against Brighton. If we can get three points against Brighton, we're going to the Arsenal game. Confidence starting to return. And like you say, why not? Why not? Anyway, we're going to bring the wheel on uh, to end the show. Um, see what we're going to get with, uh, with this one. So share screen. Bring the wheel up, share it. Can you see the wheel? Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna give this wheel a spin. 
Here we go. Oh, this is a good one. When and where would you time travel to? When and where would you time travel to? Who's going first for this? Go on, Josh. <laughs> um, just trying to think. I'm leaning two ways. I'm thinking, do I try time travel backwards? I'm only going to go backwards. Um, do I time travel back to 66? Or do a time travel back to t- two years ago when we were in Europe? So it's, it's, it's quite close. I'd probably say time travel back to 1966 to see us lift the World Cup. Fantastic. Good answer. Sutty, you can go forward or back. I'll go back to watching, I was going to say that, but I had another sporting event, the Rumble in the Jungle. Oh, what a call that is. What a call that is. I'd go and watch that, I think, mate. That would be uh, that would be absolutely right. So basically, mate, you know the rumble in the jungle. There was a bloke apparently caught on there with an iPhone or a smartphone. Maybe that was you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was Actually, there's a picture. It? I don't know what it is that he's holding. This people put it out there as it's old, like you know, if the time travel does exist because he's holding a smartphone. I think he's there in the crowd in the rumble in the jungle, and he's got like what's a smartphone. And the guy does look suspiciously like you, to be fair. So maybe you've given us a, a, a clue that you can time travel. If you can, can you tell us how we're going to stay up, Sut? We won't get down. Resident time traveller has told us that we're going to be staying up. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, thank you to everyone that's been watching the show. It's uh, probably the producers, probably it's a sh- one of the shortest that we've done, which is great because I had a really light light last night as well. And I'm dead tired. Uh, it's been a brilliant show. Lots more positivity today. Uh, uh, Manny's gone with, uh, it was a good one, 1986, sign Bully for 60,000 and bring him on for Brighton. <laughs> that's good. Go back and bring him back. That's good. Yeah. A 1974 League Cup final. Uh, oh, this one. He'd go back a billion years to see if there was an ancient civilization before this, before us. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, I'm loving the new Sotty with his uh, needy level like him in the starting lineup next week. Uh, time travel back to 1969 to see the moon landing. To be, to be fair, Calf, that's a good one. But like, you know. You, if you're going to be there, you'll need oxygen and stuff like that. And to be honest, I've heard that I've actually heard that if they have a party on the moon, they're not very good. Do you know why? Go on, because there's no atmosphere. Oh, <laughs> time to, it's time to shut the show down, Dave. It really is. That's a tumbleweed moment, guys. Thank you very much. Please smash a like on the video. It, you know, if you're new, please consider subscribing. If you're listening back on the podcast. You know, I hope you leave us a five-star rate. And then there's a lot of your guests that will watch it back on Catch Up, as always. Uh, listen, from all my guests today, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, joining in the chat. And let's keep this positivity going into next week. And let's hope that this time next week, uh, we've got three points and we've scored more than one goal and we're uh, we really got the positivity completely back. From myself and all the guests, God bless you and your families. Always Wolves. Cheers, Dave.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates are already booked in for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.